0: So, you know that great Daredevil Netflix series? This is not that. Welcome to Divisive Issues. Hey everybody and welcome to Divisive Issues, a comedy podcast about controversial comic books. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapper. I'm Sly Crapper. No,
1: I'm I'm just fucking with you.
0: And today we're going to be talking about Daredevil, Guardian Devil, a story written by Kevin Smith. Yes, that Kevin Smith, the, the guy in the jersey. <laughs> the jersey girl? Yeah. <laughs> and Joe Casada. The editor-in-chief of Marvel, but back he, back then he was a lowly penciler. Yeah. Is he still? I don't know if he's, he's the editor-in-chief not anymore, He's so. not anymore. That's what he's known for. Yeah, and also inking by Jimmy Palmiotti, and they he gets a lot of press on the actual cover of this book, as so, yes, he should. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's great.
2: What's the story about, Ryan?
0: So this story is about Daredevil. Really? <laughs> Daredevil's wow. book had been canceled and was getting relaunched as. With a shiny new number one. It was written by Kevin Smith from Clerks and Dogma fame. And this was the debut title for the Marvel Knights line. You want to
2: talk about that, Sly? Are we going to give our opinions first? I thought we
1: were giving a little more back serve. Okay. Ryan's leading. He can do this however he wants, Sly. And, and just to give some context, this is Ryan's first time hosting. Yeah, I'm in the
0: driver's seat now. And he's fucking up already. Yeah, I'm
1: a big fuck up. <laughs> no, you're great. Continue. You're the Marvel Knights of, of our <laughs> podcast, Ryan. Oh no <laughs> This book is terrible.
2: <laughs> so Joe Quesada, he was um he was a co creator of co owner of a, a line called Event Comics. And during during the time uh before this book was, was being made, Marvel was going bankrupt. During the nineties, Marvel was going through bankruptcy and they started outsourcing their lines to other companies and they outsourced um uh, this story to Joe Casada's event, event Comics and uh, renamed it Marvel Knights. And Joe Quesada became uh, the uh, editor-in-chief of the Marvel Knights line. So what was Marvel Knights going for? Uh, this is a stereotype that existed when I was younger. Uh, it's kind of dead now, but it existed when Quesada was younger too. That DC had the best writers and Marvel had the best artists. And Quesada believed that Marvel was all about image and they didn't give much, too much attention to their writers and too much attention to the writing of their books.
1: I've heard that before, too, but I can't imagine having that opinion.
2: Well, well,
1: uh, if you disagree... I can, I can buy them in the early, in the 90s, with the image. Yes. In the 90s, yeah, yeah, but
0: I feel like Marvel had such a... had decades of such great character stories.
2: Casada felt that Marvel believed that... The, na- the name at the, t- the top of the book was the most important thing, and not the right names of the people writing it. So he Okay, thought, I'll I'll get into it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, so like he believed that if you people buy X Men, they don't buy X Men for Chris Claremont's run, they don't buy X Men for this or that. They buy for cool covers and for X Men. And title. I have to
0: say, since Casada's rise in the Marvel like hierarchy, that is definitely not the case anymore. Yeah. It is definitely a writer driven
2: Yeah, but but to reference to what Joe's saying, uh Chris Claremont was the guy who created X Men as you know today. He is almost, he is a bigger Influence in, as an X Men than uh, Stanley is, mm-hmm. even though Stanley's the one that gets the most credit. He wrote the book for 16 issues. 16 years. Uh, 16 years. <laughs> wow, a huge run. But 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 even though he wrote for 16 years, uh, Marvel basically told him to fuck off and gave the book to the artist of the book. Literally. They literally said, the artist of this book is what's selling the book. Now you, Chris Cameron, get the fuck out of here. And Chris <laughs> Cameron left. He I'm sure this. they
1: said it much nicer than that. Um,
2: definitely not. No, no definitely not. Definitely. I think they killed his dog, too. <laughs> So now
0: let's talk about what this book actually is. So this is the relaunch of Daredevil, like I said, from 1998. It's the first eight issues of the new Daredevil series. And it's supposed to be Daredevil kind of questioning his faith as he his life has run through the gauntlet of just terrible thing after terrible thing. And he's trying to decide if it's a supervillain or it's
1: an act of God that's ruining his life. Right? I guess that's what it's supposed to be, right? Definitely more the questioning of faith, more than the overtones of, is is there a greater master plan? Yeah. More, more of a, what the hell is going on? Because there is no true villain of this story until the very end.
0: Yeah. And it's, like we said, written by Kevin Smith. If you like Kevin Smith's kind of really quirky, dialogue-heavy rambling, then I'd say this is a book I would recommend it. I don't know. But would you
2: actually recommend it? That's the question. We no, have. I don't know.
1: I even know if, if I, because I enjoy his movies, and yeah. I, or at I enjoy Dogma. Um, I've enjoyed Jalen Simon Bob Strikes Back. Um, this is not in the vein of those.
0: Sly and I were talking before we started recording, and I feel like Kevin Smith is a guy that I really like him personally. I am not a big fan of a lot of his work. I find his dialogue kind
2: of. Forced and stunted and like really too wordy. Um, I, 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 I agree and I also feel like he likes weird concepts and like and he has no filter on what concepts he introduces. Like one of his comics in is
1: about Batman peeing his pants. <laughs> it's, not <laughs> it's not
0: about Batman. It's not about it, but, it happens. but that happens. Yeah.
1: So there's urination on Batman. So part. who would you recommend this to? Um, ben God. Joe. God. <laughs> Well, he is in his book. I, I don't know if I could recommend it to anyone. Um, if you, I can recommend if you've heard the stigma about this book and you're intrigued by it, I could recommend it then. Um, but if you're if you're a fan of the show and you want to read Daredevil, I would I could rec I wouldn't really recommend it. Um, you want know to recommend? Oh, I can't say if that's spoiling. Um, if you're a fan of the eventual villain of this book. I could maybe recommend it for that.
2: I would disagree because I'm a huge fan of Villains' book and I fucking hate the story. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Do do you like it? Do you like the last part with him? No. Okay. We'll get into why. Yeah, we'll get into that.
2: Basically,
0: when we get into all the spoilers and stuff. If you wanna see how these things happen to these characters, because this book matters a lot in the Daredevil universe. Yeah. And in the bigger Marvel universe too, it does have some things that matter. If you want to see how they happen, I guess, but I would not recommend starting with this at all. Yeah, it's
1: not it's not new reader friendly. Yeah. Um it veers into parts that are very undaredevil-y. Like if if you love like the real grit, like, you know, street down level. street level down-to-earthness of like the Netflix series, this book has none of that like zero if you liked Frank Miller's Daredevil this has none of that like it stands alone in Daredevil it's a unique specimen even if if you like the Ben Affleck movie like the Ben Affleck movie feels like a better Daredevil and that movie has
2: Kevin Smith in it and Ben
1: Affleck does the the forward Forward, yeah I know Um, I think Ben Affleck said he wanted the sequel if there was ever a sequel to his Daredevil that he was in he wanted it to be the story so let's just be double thankful that that didn't happen it's worth pointing out that um, this is a
2: divisive, divisive issue because our opinion does not reflect the opinion of the greater Marvel, uh, greater comic community. When I
0: first got into Marvel, Daredevil was one of the first characters I read, and the internet told me to start with this. They said this is the best book to start with for Daredevil, and I <laughs> could not believe
2: it. And and like it's funny because all three of us aren't huge fans of this book. But if you go online, you will not get that same impression. People love this book, and yeah. I don't.
1: You know what? I I could see it where if you had never read Daredevil before and you had no real knowledge of Frank Miller's Daredevil, and you just picked this up, not knowing what the character was, not knowing too much of the relationships, because I feel like he glosses over the relationships enough that you'll understand what's yeah. going on. Um, then I could see you enjoying it for the shock and awe value. Like, if this was your first ever comic...
0: I mean, I guess if we look at it from, like, the Marvel Knights perspective, if it was, like, comics are for kids and I read this, it does have more depth, I guess, than, like, what I would expect a superhero comic to be if I'd never read comics before. I could see
2: myself
1: being a teenager reading this and thinking this was cool.
2: And, And that's another thing to point out, um... This was a huge. This had a huge impact on not just Mar- Daredevil and, and the characters inside it, but on Marvel in general. Because Marvel Knights became a huge hit because of this run in particular. Joe Quesada became uh, became successful as the editor-in-chief of Marvel Knights and eventually became the editor-in-chief of Marvel. And then he he in a lot of, a lot of ways helped Marvel out of bankruptcy and helped. Yeah, prevent- this is yeah. this
0: is the start of like what I consider like kind of the golden age of Marvel. When you look at my Marvel bookshelf, when after this book it explodes with so many yeah. great titles. So, let's also... We talk a lot about Joe Quesada as an editor. Let's talk about him as a penciler, as an, as an artist. We kind of disagree on this a little bit. I'm a pretty big fan of his art. I don't think Sly is.
2: I, 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 here, here's another reason why I'm a fucking asshole and, and not reflective <laughs> of, the, of the population at all. I also don't like uh, Todd McFarlane's art, who is the creator of Spawn and a lot of... Get out. Yeah, fuck me. And <laughs> Venom. But... um. Uh, he has uh, he has the same advantages as Tom McFarland in that he's good at setting, really good at setting up detailed scenes, really good at poses, really good at action scenes. But he has the same fault in that uh, the way he draws people, uh, not only is it cartoonishly weird, which which is a weird juxtaposition of his very detailed settings and poses, but it's also inconsistent. The way he draws people changes from panel to panel. Sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's really weird. But I will say um, his art gets better as the book goes on. He has some really effective panels in the final few issues, and I do love his art uh, in the in the run after this, which uh, with uh, David Mack. David Mack, yeah.
0: I I do agree that some of his people look a little weird. But I really like his style overall. I think the cartoony slash realism actually kind of works in a, a weird kind of balance. And I think on paper, he's a perfect fit for Kevin Smith, as Kevin Smith is much more of a filmmaker. And Kasada's art is very, like, movie scene. He's cinematic. very cinematic, yeah. very choreographed. And I do think Kasada carries this book a lot better than Kevin Smith does. And that's what... That's what makes it readable for me. Because I really, really don't like this book. But I, I really like what Kasada does with all the characters in it. What about you, Joe?
1: Um, his penciling is fine. Um, I enjoy it overall for the most part. Uh, with Ryan, there are a few panels um, and parts where I don't necessarily think it's the best. Um, I point out to Ryan when I was reading this, there's a scene where Matt's talking to Black Widow. Um, who's featured in this book, uh, Black Widow of you know the av- Avengers fame, <laughs> to a handsome yeah. character. There you go, um, and she's super detailed, and Matt just is like, super blank faced, and I thought it was really weird how much detail Black Widow had and how little detail Matt had. Um, I thought I thought the art was very good to great. I wouldn't say it was amazing. I wouldn't say it blew me away. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was very, very it. good. Yeah, I enjoyed it.
0: Definitely. I really enjoyed it, but it's not... I'm not going to say it's the best Daredevil I've ever seen. No, it's not the best Joe Quesada I've ever seen, either. I but. think Quesada does work better, like Sly says, in the yeah. following run with David Mack doing a lot of painted stuff. Yeah. Because then it contrasts really nicely. But that's not what we're talking about today. Unfortunately. So, we're going to get into spoilers now. So, we're going to just kind of jump in and go through the book. So, the book opens with... Matt in bed, and the overall text narration is a letter from Karen. Karen is Matt's girlfriend for a really long time. She's been in and out of the book since the very, very beginning of Daredevil in the 60s. But she's been in it for a while now, probably about 10 years since she permanently came back. And it is a lot of words. That's the first thing you notice in this book. The the second page has three panels. It's three to long vertical panels, and there's over 20 narration boxes. Wow. That's in, that's so much. Kevin wordy. And basically, yeah. she just says she's leaving because she's had a terrible life, and she feels like Matt doesn't deserve her. Kind of. We've seen that before. Matt doesn't deserve her, or... She... I mean, she she doesn't deserve Matt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Good yeah. catch. She's, was, she's really full of herself. Yeah, isn't she? I no, be yeah. like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, you're you're right. Yeah. Good catch. Yeah. <laughs> and she leaves. She's moving to California. Yeah, which uh, she's done once before in Daredevil's history. And yeah, it didn't turn out very well. <laughs> yeah, it didn't turn out very well at all. I guess that that is pretty important. Yeah. <laughs> Previously, she had left when she found out that Matt was Daredevil because she couldn't deal with it in the '60s, and she was kind of written out of the book for a long time. And then she came back in the 80s, in which is my personal favorite Daredevil story, "Born Again." She comes back, and she was a porn star junkie who had sold Matt Murdock's identity for a fix of heroin. And then that story has her like it's a very like redemption story, and she's she really like comes around, and they spent. The next decade, kind of rebuilding her character and having her and Matt be a real couple.
2: We, ha- so, we have to bring up Born Again, though, because this story is trying so hard to be Born Again.
0: Yeah, if you're looking to read a great Daredevil story, that is, I think, the best Daredevil story there is. So, this book is trying to pay homage to it, and they mention Born Again a lot, and I feel like that's actually a detriment to it.
2: They mention a lot of they reference a lot of things that are better than this. Yeah, but
0: they mention Born Again like at least. On average,
2: once an issue. There's there's a rule in movie making, never mention or show a movie as better than your, the movie you're making, and this, I feel like this comic does that a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's a it's a shame. It really is a shame, because it's a big detriment to it because they, it kind of keeps reminding you of how the same kind of story beats work so much better in a different story. That, that's
2: why they say never do a movies because all it does is make the audience think like think. Wow! I could be reborn again right now. Yeah. Wow! What a good movie that
0: was. Yeah. Or whatever.
2: So then it
0: cuts to a maternity ward, and there's some sort of terrible thing that happens. There's screams, and they don't really explain what happens till later. You can, you can say it now. But yeah. So what basically what happens is half of the babies in this maternity ward die like, unexpectedly and it's terrible. So, people that wanted the funny, quirky Kevin Smith are not getting that. We, we're three pages in and um, they've just murdered a bunch of infants.
2: But I thought you said this is perfect for people who love clerics and dogma. Yeah, I
0: guess. <laughs> and then we see there's now a young teenager running with a baby, running away from some people chasing her. And then it cuts again. There's a lot of, like, smash cuts. Yeah. To... Matt Murdock in Confession. Mm-hmm. So Matt Murdock, Daredevil. He's if you don't know Daredevil, you should watch the show. It's so good. But he's in Confession because he's a very he's one of the biggest Catholic characters in Marvel, if not the biggest. So Daredevil's confessing his sins and his sins. He doesn't really have. He's not talking about sins. He just says my girlfriend left. Yeah. And he doesn't say anything else. And the priest starts like lecturing him. And I don't There's get. Stop having
2: girlfriends or something like that.
0: I guess. And he's basically saying, like, you should date the Lord instead. And it's weird. So Daredevil has super hearing. He's blind, but he has super senses in every other, yeah. you know, all his other senses. So he hears this young girl Running away from these guys trying to kill her. And he hears the car doing re- going really fast. So he does the Superman in the phone booth, rips open his shirt, has the Daredevil costume, and just kind of bounces without saying anything, which he does a lot in this book. Yeah, a There's jerk. a lot of times that people are talking to him, and he just leaves. He's trying to, I think he's trying to do a Batman. I guess. But he does it like when people are talking to him and
1: they're yeah. like, Matt, where are you going? I love that superhero trope. <laughs> but it's not like he sneaks away. They watch him walk away. I had a friend who did that to me one time in college. We were talking to her and then she just started walking away. And for the rest of like our whole college, I kept calling her nightcat because that was her super super <laughs> I was going to say, I said the whole college yeah. I never saw her again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That was her, her, <laughs> her identity. That's Just kept it calling is. her Night Cat. And
0: the girl My also crap. thinks to herself that she yeah. watched her mother get beheaded in front of her father's corpse. I'm like, this is right away just such a dark book. No, he's not pulling any punches. He's yeah. not pulling any punches at all. So Daredevil runs away, and the narration of the priest dialogue is saying he just needs to take a leap of faith. And we get, I think, a fantastic double-page spread we do. of Daredevil like leaping off a building top with pigeons everywhere. And I think it, it looks... Casada really shines in these big cinematography... Cinematic. <laughs> yeah. I just want
2: to point out, some motherfucker said, me and Joe take too long reading our books. And this guy said, I'm going to blow, blow right through this fucking book. Sorry. And he's stopping to fucking point out these fucking pages. Sorry.
1: Sorry. So well, I'll speed it up. I'll speed it up. You're doing fine, Ryan. <laughs> Don't you listen to him. So
0: Daredevil beats the guys that are chasing the girl. Okay. And... And then what happened? Goddamn it, Joe. <laughs> and the girl gets away. Okay. And good. Matt stays to tell the cops all about it and he says he needs her testimony gotcha. and this i bring up this is important <laughs> i bring it up because it then cuts to matt as an in his attorney's office and i think him staying and talking to the police is actually a cool way of showing that he really respects the law more than most other vigilantes well he's a lawyer uh by day so exactly he's... yeah so you know he's thinking about we can't make any charges stick with these guys without her testimony so he he it Kevin Smith does do a good job of framing Matt's mentality
1: here. No, it creates a reason for why he's pursuing the girl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: And then it's a lot of him pining about Karen and his partner. Which well, is great, I mean. Yeah, there's crazy. so many words that are so unnecessary. <laughs> and then Foggy shows up. Foggy is Matt's partner. Mm-hmm. And he knows uh, Foggy, uh, B- uh, Matt Murdock is their devil. Yep. And he's trying to... He's talking to him about some case that Matt's really not paying attention to. Some divorce case. And he kind of just totally blows him off. Doesn't even say anything. Just walks out. Walks out because he hears the girl's heartbeat again. Then it cuts again to mysterious villains. So this is the first bit of intrigue we get. And we don't get any intrigue. (laughs) And it's basically them just saying the girl got away... Even though we were driving 90 miles an hour and crashed, the cops just let us go and we have some Band-Aids on our heads, because Kevin Smith doesn't have the same respect for the law that Matt Murdock does, I guess. (laughs) And the mysterious villain in the shadows says, do better next time, and then they go in the elevator and he drowns them. So then Matt is on patrol, just going around... Doing Matt stuff. ...fighting rapists or whatever, and... (laughs) right down the alley (laughs) that he doesn't see is the girl with the baby Mm -hmm. and she's visited by a whole choir of angels. I guess. That's a thing that happens. It's It's a cool page. It's a very cool page but it doesn't make... I don't... Angels, Ryan. Yeah, but they don't... Kevin Smith does this thing a lot in this book where he jumps from mystical and spiritual to totally not and I find it really tricky to navigate that's
2: why it's hard to recommend to fans of the show because uh, it is not grounded in the real world as the show is it is very much a Marvel book but also trying to be a more dark book at the same time
0: yeah and I feel like that's what really ruins it for me is the change in tone yeah where like I don't you kind of have to accept that Christianity is real and also not real at the same time because like you doubt it a lot in the
2: nature of the story it's really weird also for some weird backstory um, God is real in the Marvel universe
1: I think yes, he is real. Well, he helped out the Punisher that one time.
2: Yeah, so he, he an angel. Yeah, Punisher <laughs> made Punisher into an archangel at some point. Yeah. So, so yeah, you have yeah. this reality where people are questioning their faith, but guys actually real in this universe, so it's kind of falls flat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And one
0: thing that I wanted to mention before that I forgot about, Matt's faith to me goes on such a roller coaster in this book that sometimes he said he's so devout, and other times he's so not. So like. In the letter that Karen left him at the very beginning, she says that every Sunday he asks her to go to mass with him. And then, now in this scene, Foggy is talking to Matt about this divorce case, and apparently the woman was forcefully sterilized without her knowledge, and that's why it's such a big case for him, because he really feels for her. And Matt says, something like that makes me wonder, where do I stand on God? Which is, like, that's a weird thing to say yeah. and like yeah this terrible thing happened but he questions his faith immediately after yeah. we just saw him in confession he apparently goes to church every
2: Sunday
1: yeah he's also he's questioning his faith in confession though I, I,
2: I know but uh, he just says it out of nowhere to foggy like, he yeah. says it out of nowhere to foggy
1: yeah. oh no it's heavy handed yeah I, I just like, like, by, I, by all means I
2: don't want to bitch too much about the dialogue because this will take fucking forever if we do yeah but there's a lot of almost every scene where he discusses faith I feel super clunky yeah one of my favorite ones is uh, Black Widow shows up later on And she says, oh, you're still a church gore, even if they're hanging out with godless commie scum like I am? And I'm like, that's something you would say, Black Widow, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's that's weird. So, Matt hears a knock at the door, and who is it but the girl and her baby? So, she explains to Matt that angels visited her, and she knows he's Daredevil. The angels told her she's Daredevil. No, not she's daredevil. The angels <laughs> <now> told Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> the angels told her that he's Daredevil and that the baby is the second coming of Christ. It's the savior, he's gonna save the world. And it's also worth pointing
2: out that the never was a first coming for her because she's a virgin.
0: Yes. Okay. Gross. But yeah. She, virgin birth, you know, the very Jesus story. Yes. And basically she says, I was told that you would be the one to protect this baby. So here's the baby. Bye. And just leaves. And Matt does nothing to try to stop her. He just goes, Hey, wait a second. And then she just leaves. She's a 15-year-old girl.
2: And they're up at the top of a skyscraper. And he has super hearing. He could hear her on the street walking past her with a super hearing.
0: Yeah. And she just leaves. And he goes, I guess this is my baby now. So the issue one ends with Matt Murdock adopting this baby. So... Now, we have issue two, mm-hmm. and Black Widow shows up. Kind of out of nowhere. He, like, went to call her before and canceled the call or whatever. This
2: is kind of supposed yeah. to be, I guess, like a rebound. Like, Karen Page broke up with him, so he's like, I guess I'll go with my other ex-girlfriend. Yeah, Black Widow, Black Widow. was his ex-girlfriend,
1: yeah. and they did live together for a long time. He's feeling like, you know... He- He's looking for any kind of guess, confidence boost at this point. Yeah, he, why he's like, let me go dial up my old ex. And
2: I just want to point this out: uh, this is uh, Black Widow says like, "Oh, this is a booty call," and starts unstripping unstri- naked from the baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is, she doesn't get that far, but she goes. She goes to she unzip starts. her jacket. She starts. She, she goes, goes to for unzip her, her jacket. Yeah.
2: But, um,
0: some of Kevin Smith's jokes in this issue are actually pretty funny. It starts with. Black Widow getting there, and she she gets there thinking it's a booty call, and she sees Matt with his baby, and she says, don't even try to tell me it's mine. That's a funny joke, I think.
1: <laughs> Sly is not amused. <laughs> Sly has no humor. It's okay, though. We love him.
0: <laughs> so, basically, they just talk back and forth a little while. Matt's trying to suspect, you know, they're trying to figure out who's behind this. Yes. Which, this lady just kind of dropped this baby off, so it doesn't seem like a big master villain plot, but he's trying to figure out how did she know that he was Daredevil. And she ju- he just leaves the baby with her and just leaves. He's like, I'll go find it out. Here's the baby. He
2: does what the girl did to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he didn't show up for, like, at the house for like a, like a day or something like that. Yeah, and then now it's like... No, it's a,
1: that's a brilliant move. It's like, damn, damn, I can't believe she just gave me this baby. I gotta remember to do this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is a
0: sweet move. She put
1: the baby in their arms and just leave. So then it cuts to
0: that night. Matt is at his office and a weird-looking old guy shows up. How did you describe him, Joe? Oh, Mr. Monopoly? Mr. Monopoly shows up. <laughs> <laughs> he looks just like Mr. Monopoly and he talks in riddles. Just like Mr. Monopoly. Just like Mr. <laughs> Mr. Monopoly. <laughs> What's his actual name? Nicholas we'll give a shit. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Mr. Monopoly now. Yeah, Mr. Monopoly. He says, I I had an appointment booked weeks ago that his secretary knows about, but Matt has no knowledge of it. And he shows up and he says, Oh, I just made this appointment in the last day. And it's really weird, and this whole back and forth is really weird. But he knows about the baby. He knows that darede- that Matt is Daredevil. That the woman is Daredevil. That the woman is Daredevil. <laughs> and he basically says, "Matt, in God, I'm just looking at some of these pages. There are so many words. There are so <laughs> many words." He basically says, "Matt, this isn't the Second Coming of Christ. This is the Antichrist. You gotta kill this baby." And Matt's like, "Okay." Matt's like, "I don't want to kill this baby," and he goes, "No, you gotta." And he's like, "Oh, all right." Yeah. And the, the next time he meets his
2: baby, he tries to murder it.
0: Yes. <laughs> Spoilers, Matt's going to try to kill his baby a couple of times. So the guy somehow knows that Bruce Banner is the Hulk and Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And he knows about Daredevil's whole origin. Yeah.
1: I mean, could you look at that page? Like, It implies that like, it, it's bitten by a radioactive spider, right? Yeah, he says yeah. radioactive insects strike. Spiders aren't insects. It's yeah. a
0: common problem I have in Spider-Man comics. They always say spiders are insects. And he says he basically says, look at how crazy the world is that all these crazy things happened that, I, that my organization may have had a hand in.
1: Including Matt's o- own origin. Yeah,
0: including Matt's own origin. Is it that crazy to think the Antichrist is real? Which that's actually a point that I find kind of interesting that look at the Marvel Universe with all these crazy things that happen, is it really that hard to believe that angels came and visited this, you know, demon baby? Or I honestly,
2: uh, this premise is actually kind of interesting. Like, bringing religious elements in such a direct way, just the way it's handled is yeah. so terrible. He
0: gives Matt this, like, mystical artifact that's going to come back a couple times. It's just a cross. And then Foggy tries to talk to him and Matt does not say a word and just leaves again. <laughs> this is supposed to be his best friend. And then, after that, he ends up getting in costume, he goes on patrol again, and Black Widow finds him and she has the baby, and she's like, Were you ever gonna come home? <laughs> like, i just That's a good question. It's yeah. like, I was an Avenger, and now I'm stuck changing this guy's diapers. So, I feel like Sly really wants to tell what happens in the scene. What does Matt do when they meet up on this rooftop with the baby? He tries to throw the baby off the roof.
1: <laughs> he doesn't try to. He actually throws the baby <laughs> oh, off I the roof. Oh, I forgot that scene part. Yeah,
0: so, <laughs> like, look it over, but like, yeah. no, he throws the baby off the roof. He goes, some crazy old guy also knows I'm Daredevil and says this baby's the Antichrist. We gotta kill this baby, and Natasha Black Widow is like, "That's the craziest thing I've ever heard." And he goes,
2: "Yeah, how about now?" And he throws the baby off the roof. You, you've noticed I, I sometimes give books too much credit. I assume he just tries to throw the baby off, and I was Yeah, you yet. too.
1: Like, have told me one thing I knew about this book: I knew who the villain at the end was, and I knew that Matt attempts to throw the baby. And then I read this, and I'm like, he doesn't attempt to. He throws yeah, the baby on, <laughs> off the roof. On the reread, I was like, yeah, he really throws this baby. Like, I'm reading this, I'm like, what? He just threw that, like... Because I could be like, oh, you know, like, he he questions himself, like, do I kill this baby? And, you know, it's a very dramatic scene. Keep in scene. mind, this no, is
2: issue thr- thro- two. He yeah. throws it off the and roof. And he met this fucking guy. On this like, Monopoly ten list. minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's just... And the, the only evidence he- Monopoly has is that I know you're Daredevil. Yeah and but, says, and the fucking girl knows he's 2, too why and she f- said don't kill this baby yeah like, <laughs> why is he so
1: determined to kill this baby now they kind of explain it yeah. later but it's dumb yeah this book tries to play up that Matt's having this nervous breakdown
2: it's but, not but earned
1: none it's of not it... earned yeah now yeah. Matt
0: throwing the baby off the roof is not the stupidest thing in the scene right after that she, she, he this is when he tells Natasha I have to kill the
1: baby He's she's the antichrist yeah and... Natasha by the way j- jumps off the roof and saves the baby yeah yeah, yeah. 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 I guess that's pretty important. Yeah,
0: (laughs) she starts laughing. She starts laughing. She goes, "The Antichrist. The job's really getting to you. You should go home and like take a nap." This is a lighthearted moment. (laughs) Yeah, she she laughs it off. Like when I was reading this, I was just she even makes a joke because Matt thinks it's a boy, and she's like, "No, it's a girl." Unless this is the least well, this is the worst endowed boy I've ever seen. It's like he just threw this baby off a roof. (laughs) Then it cuts to Foggy with this. With, his, uh, with the divorce lady that she's, he's trying to help out. And Foggy is, one thing you need to know about Foggy is he is the, the sweetest, best. greatest character. He's always so nice. He's always there for Matt,
2: no matter how shitty Matt gets. Even when Matt leaves him while he's talking.
0: Yeah, Matt, this is the second time yeah. in this issue that that's happened. <laughs> so, Foggy is now going home after he took this woman on a date she invites him up and even though he's in a long committed relationship at this point
1: was it a date or was it like a business meeting
0: he says i want to take her out to dinner okay and matt's like is there a florence nightingale thing going on you trying to take care of her and foggy's like no i'm in a committed relationship i'm not an asshole and then in this scene he's an asshole and sleeps with this woman
1: yeah Well, even says before he's like you know like because he's dating uh, Liz Osborne of Spider-Man fame. And he's like, you know, what's her name? What's this character's Lydia? name? Lydia. Lydia. She's like, you know, Liz is Liz, but she's no Lydia. Which, so, like,
2: we it, don't know anything about
1: Lydia. Exactly. Yeah. Other than, apparently, Foggy's really taken with we her. we got to
2: take Foggy's word on this, because yeah. the story doesn't look shit at all.
1: <laughs> so, now... Get the reveal H- where, where she's Venom. Is that a thing? <laughs> that, that was, oh, that was, yeah, a, that was yeah, a joke. Yeah. 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 I
2: thought she was more of a Spawn character, personally.
0: <laughs> so now at this point Matt's home not taking a nap which he should because he just yeah. tried to murder a baby I guess that's all you have to do and Karen comes home now at this point we only know Karen from that letter and Matt's yeah. obsession with her the book hasn't earned that this is a character we should really care that much about and it yeah. certainly doesn't imply that she's been a character for 40 years Yeah. and she comes home and she goes I'm so sorry Matt I came home as soon as I could I have AIDS issue ends how do you guys feel that Karen
2: has AIDS it makes sense considering her past, but uh, this isn't a story doesn't earn the right to tell this story.
0: Yeah, I think this is such a wasted opportunity for me because Karen, being someone who fell into like a, a really bad time in her life, and she did like she had a lot of really promiscuous sex, especially like in the '80s when you consider that extra risk. She was, you know, she was a, a big heroin addict, and you know was not safe about it. They could tell a really interesting story about a woman who's already redeemed herself, but is now facing the consequences of her actions that she thought she had made peace with already. But there is none of that nuance in this book. It just is treated like another bad thing that happened to Matt, and he even says, after she says it, I guess when it rains it pours. And Karen is a character that, if you've watched the show, like she's a really easy-to-like character. And I feel like having her Come down da- getting diagnosed with AIDS just to make Matt's life shittier is such a t a yeah. such a shitty thing to do. From Sh- like, such a such, I, know. To <laughs> I know. It's not as good as the Justice <laughs> yeah. Wings are real. I'm not as good at that. But
1: yeah, it's I, it's just it really rubs me the wrong way. If mind. you know the history of the character, this isn't like, you know, like this isn't preposterous that this would happen. Yeah. But it it just feels like another and it, and it's designed to be another thing that that they dump on Matt's life.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So So now things get even worse in Issue 3.
2: The book and what happens to Matt.
0: Yes. So Foggy is all of a sudden getting brought in by the police. He's being arrested. And he has scratch marks all over his face. And he tells Matt the story that after Lydia brought him into the room, they started fooling around... And they had sex, and while she was lighting up her postcoital cigarette, she turned into a demon. Into Venom. <laughs>
1: into, it look, Josephs looks like Venom. She has that big Venom smile. With like the that, long that, tongue, Yeah, too. with a long tongue, like that very, we're going to bring him up again, Todd McFarlane-esque style Venom. Yeah. yeah. And she
0: claws Foggy's face, jumps out the window, and dies.
1: Yep. Foggy
0: calls the police to say, like, this weird thing happened, they don't believe him, and he gets arrested for murdering her. Now, this scene, he's really sad because he's like, what do I say to Liz? I can't believe it. This is God punishing me for cheating on Liz. Like, he only mentions the demon part once. I feel like that should be more prevalent in his, like, what's going on speech. Yeah. Cause, and, and he's just like, I, I, like, all I could think of was, what do I say to Liz? Like, if I was being mauled by a demon, that would not be my thought. Like, oh, how am I going to explain this? Yeah. Then it cuts back to Foggy's Law Firm which is owned by Foggy's mom, which we find Cruella out Deville, now. Yeah, Corella DeVille. Looks just like Corella DeVille. She basically says, we have to fire Foggy. We have to distance ourselves from this case. He's, he's, he's a rapist, which is the first and only mention we hear that he's being charged with rape. And basically, as a professional, we have to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So Matt says, I have to defend him, so I quit. So now his best friend's in jail, his girlfriend has AIDS, and he doesn't have a job anymore. So, his life is pretty shitty. Par for the course with Daredevil.
1: Alright, I feel like this is... um, If you want to do a brief interlude to talk about Born Again. So, Born Again... And the callbacks to Born Again in this. Yeah,
0: Born Again is a story in the 80s where the premise is Kingpin has finally found out who Matt Murdock is. And he basically takes apart every aspect of Matt's life. He gets him disbarred as an attorney. He gets all his assets seized. He gets... And Kingpin's exactly what he sounds like. He's a big crime boss. Yeah. And he blows up Matt's house. And he, like, does all these things that just Matt hits rock bottom. And that's, like, where... He
2: even misses shit out of Matt. Uh, But by the time he does it, he says, like, you're already broken. I'm just, like, pushing it off. Yeah.
0: And he just basically just rips Matt apart and that's where the story the really kicks yeah. into high gear. Where Matt's like trying to pick up the pieces. Yeah. And this is this is really trying to be like that. Even when he's talking to Black Widow, he says, I don't think this is Kingpin. Like this isn't Kingpin. So like it keeps calling back that the same kind of thing is happening again. But it doesn't, like Slice said, doesn't feel earned at all.
1: Many times this book feels to me like it's trying to build on great moments that aren't necessarily like this stories to Invoke. Yeah, you know. which is like... like... This, this feels like almost like an end-of-the-run story, but it's not, though. Yeah. It's, it's someone's, like... It's the first, picking the first up... run.
2: It's the first story. No, yeah. but like, it feels it's like... It's supposed you know, to, to be like... the relaunch, you know? Yeah.
1: So it feels like it's trying to build off these great moments that aren't the books yeah. to tell. Yeah. So, then Matt's on patrol again. He does a lot of looking around.
0: This time, he goes to stop a mugging, and a guy gets the drop on him and hits him with a trank dart from behind. Mm-hmm. Now, Kevin Smith is really inconsistent with Daredevil's powers. This is one of my big wildly. problems with it. He's wildly. He has him hear somebody from five blocks away, oh but he can't hear a guy behind him with a gun. So, Matt gets kidnapped. We don't know by who. Mysterious. Cuts back to Karen at home, and Mr. Monopoly has just shown up. And gives her almost the exact same speech that, she, that he gave Matt Murdock, saying... This baby's the Antichrist, that's the only reason you have AIDS. So he basically says, like, you got tested every six months, and it became a formality, like, and what are the odds of AIDS showing up this late? Like, it must be the work of this Antichrist baby. She's like, that sounds pretty stupid. And then she's like, yeah, but have you realized that if this baby is the Antichrist, Matt will also get AIDS? And she's like, you're right, I gotta go kill this baby. So now Matt wakes up, and he's in this, like, weird... Chamber that we've seen. If you're a Daredevil fan, you've seen this a hundred million times, where Daredevil gets locked in a loud room. They even do it in the movie with yeah. Ben Affleck yeah. with the subway, yeah. where because he has such great hearing, all you have to do is just put a loudspeaker on, yeah. and he's totally incapacitated. And this
2: big demon guy named Ball is there, yeah. <laughs> and, he and b- then he starts fucking talking to him, and Daredevil can hear him over the screeching that's so painful. He can't, Daredevil can't even walk.
0: Yeah. And this guy doesn't seem like he's
2: loudly yelling or anything. He's sitting in a chair, like, yeah. casually talking. And Daredevil can hear him, even though Daredevil is literally incapacitated. He is screaming, please stop, I'm in pain, I can't listen to this anymore. Yeah, and
0: he's having, a, and he's talking to this guy, too. Like, he's having this conversation with him. And the guy's basically saying, I'm
2: on Mr. Monopoly's side, give us the baby. No, you got it wrong. He's saying, I'm against Mr. Monopoly. Is he? He spoiled spoil it. Later on, he reveals, I'm on Mr. Monopoly's side. Oh. He's a fucking piece of shit. Sorry. So, he wants the baby, though. Yeah. But, yeah. but basically, he's, he's arguing that it's the Messiah. Ms. Monopoly saying it's a devil, but it turns out they're both uh, uh, on the same side. He's another guy that wants the baby.
0: There's just so much dialogue, and so much of it is unnecessary. Joe said before when he was reading it, he could take two narration captions off of every page, and it yeah. would, wouldn't matter. That a lot of times I felt myself really just like kind of skimming it because
1: I didn't want to spend. Twenty-five minutes reading every issue. Um, In this one, it just it it felt like he was very new to the medium. Yeah, and was really kind of overwriting um, a lot of his pages.
2: The comics that Kevin Smith is probably a fan of, like Born Again, a lot of '80s comics use a lot of speech bubbles and a lot of a lot caption. Yeah, Yeah, so
1: a lot that that narration type caption.
2: Yeah, but uh, I feel like if, if I to give him credit, maybe he's going for that, trying to emulate that.
1: The thing is, I feel like
0: Kevin Smith's dialogue works better on film because it has his like quick like, quips and stuff, yeah. like, his quick dialogue works better when it's a charismatic actor saying it. Yeah. But when it's just flat on a page... When it's ball. Yeah. When it's... Like... Once a character
2: you don't give a shit about on any level, and yeah. the Matt Murdock is being a fucking dick, like, who are you gonna fucking care what they say?
0: Yeah. So, Matt breaks out of this loud chamber by breaking the speaker and he can hear the the split second where the loop starts mm-hmm. so that he can use that to track where the speaker is and, like, use that as the opportunity. So his senses are really, really acute. And as soon as he gets out, he runs in the middle of the street and stops in front of a truck that's about to hit him. So what... This is, like... This isn't being inconsistent throughout the book. This is page by page. He's a totally different power set. It yeah. doesn't... It's really...
2: And he has to get saved by uh, Black Widow. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, issue three ends with him about to get hit with the truck. Issue four starts with him on a roof. He got saved by Black Widow, who happened to be swinging by. And she has the baby strapped to her back. And it is
1: pouring rain. Yeah, she has the baby out in the rain, strapped to her back as she swings through New York City. And
0: she doesn't say, I was looking for you. She says,
2: you're really lucky I was swinging by. Yeah. There's, there's a, there's... So, that's a lot of coincidence. But, like, no one is... It weirded out by the fact she has a baby strapped to her back. It's not like a thing. She just has a baby strapped to her back. This swinging around buildings yeah. in the rain. What this, is she doing? Is this... she fighting bad guys? So he fights a Black Widow because he still really
0: wants to kill the baby. And this scene is a bunch of bullshit. So Black Widow we know from the movies as being like an awesome super spy, great fighter. And Matt just grabs her by the throat, throws her on the ground, and breaks her ankle. Like no fight
1: at all. Well, he doesn't. From What I got, he hits like he pressure points her because he has her by there. He doesn't necessarily break her ankle, he he pressure points her to the point where she passes out. Well, either way, no, he, but he
2: says, like, she can't even take that one hit. You're
1: fucking yeah, she safe. can't take the pain threshold. That, that's what he, which mentions. is like kind of her whole stick, is that yeah. she can, yeah, she, she was a tortured, you know, or at the very least, she was a Soviet like spy with like, tr- like, expert, like, you know, training. Like, she shouldn't crack to, yeah, things like that. Yeah, and also,
2: I just want to bring this up because. Uh, he mocks her saying, she, you're not even worthy of being on, on the Avengers. And this whole story brings up the fact that um, Black Widow was kind of like a has-been character, like a, a B-lister. And uh, it's it's just it's just silly now because Black Widow is now in the movies and stuff. And that's why yeah. I generally hate it when comics do this, where they make fun of characters for being C-listers or D-listers, because uh, you never know who's going to make it big. And this story seems just stupid in retrospect because of that. And we were saying before that I feel like it's just
0: laziness on the writer's hand that you could just say, like, oh, you're just a second stringer, so you can't fight back, instead of giving me a reason to think they're an A-list character. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Also, Matt's dialogue in this scene is, like, his inner monologue about Black Widow is horrendous. Yeah, he's... Like, if this is my first time reading Daredevil, I'm like, he's such a piece of garbage. Yeah, he's saying, like,
0: she's just a commie spy, betrayal is a woman, isn't it? Like, these things that... uh, The Black Widow is daddy's little girl, and she's from Mother Russia, and, like... It's really misogynistic yeah. and like, like I get that Matt's supposed to be like losing his mind and stuff,
1: but it's like t- hard to read. Yeah, it means like, like the fact that he's losing his mind like means like these thoughts were always kind of in there. Yeah. And that like, which what she addresses at the end of the book, but even when he addresses at the end of the book, I don't come away feeling like, oh, Matt's not an asshole. I'm like, no, Matt's he's an asshole. But this is and the th- you know what dialogue or or monologue.
0: Bothers me the most in the scene. He mentions how he's like, she's been very liberal with other Avengers, and like, I'm sure that they call her much worse names behind her back. She's been with so many men, and it's not written in a way like it, it's written in a way that I take it as like super slut shaming from the narrator, and it really
2: bothers me a yeah. lot because like Matt's a pretty promiscuous character, too. To be fair, Kevin Smith, and to be unfair at the same time, I do t- it is mentioned later on that. Matt is supposed to be misogynist in the story, but to be unfair to him, I don't think he sells misogyny at all. It just—it just feels like Kevin Smith making him say misogynist stuff. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a team interwoven throughout the story. It just feels like a writer speaking through Matt rather than. This doesn't feel natural. Yeah, it
0: doesn't feel natural. So, he jumps off the roof with the baby with the intention of killing
2: both of them, and kind of wakes up for a second and swings away. I find, it, I find it interesting that now as he's more crazy, he feels more guilty about killing the baby. Before he was throwing it off right away after the guy told him to kill the baby, now he's like, I feel somewhat guilty, I'll die too of the baby. Yeah, it's weird.
0: And he ends up on the steps of a convent with a nun. And a little bit more backstory about Born Again. And there is, there is a nun in Born Again that is... Very heavily implied to... And this is spoilers for Born Again. I think you should pause it and read it first, but that's besides the point. So, but in Born Again, there's a nun that's pretty heavily implied to be Matt's mom, who abandoned him as a child, but it's done in a very, very nuanced and, I think, beautiful way. It's clever. Where It's clever. They never explicitly say it, and Matt just thinks, like, this is my mom, but... If we were to, and he doesn't say this, but this is what how I took it, if we were to openly state that she was my mom, then we would have to have the conversation about why did you leave and all this stuff, but right now I'm at my lowest, and she's helping me, and just knowing that my mother is here to help me through this is enough, and I don't need to get it bogged down with all this stuff, and that subtlety and nuance is what makes that scene so great, and even the layout of the pages is very reminiscent of that, and this is the thing that I think is the most shitty born again version is when he goes to his mom and asks her to kind of take care of the baby. Yeah. And he even says, let's, when he starts talking to the mom after he wakes up, he goes, let's stop doing this whole dance thing. Let's just, you're definitely my mom. We both know it's my mom. And we'll just forget about all the nuances that Ryan was just talking about. And then he says another weird thing where he's like, Oh, do you have a do you have a lot of costumed vigilante men coming into your bedchambers? And I'm like, That's a weird thing to say to one, your mom, two, to a nun. Yeah. And I feel like it it has this kind of misogynistic tone that's kind of like slut A very, shaming. For, a, a
2: very forced misogynistic tone. Doesn't, this, doesn't, this doesn't feel like Matt's character. It feels but like...
0: this isn't crazy Matt now. Yeah. This is saying Matt, yeah. saying this to his mother, that like, hey mom, you fuck a lot of superheroes? And what it's weird. Fuck? His mom who he came to for help. Yeah. And it's it's very weird. And this is when he, he talks to her a lot about all the doubting he's had in his faith. And this is when it really gets explicitly stated You know, I don't know, is this baby Jesus? Is this baby the Antichrist? Is it just a baby and somebody's fucking with me? Who, you know, who do I trust? And how do you, as a nun, still believe in God after all this time? And she slaps him across the face and tells him a story about a knight and a monk that makes him kind of, you know, one of those, like, homilies that you hear in church that breaks it down into pretty metaphoric terms and gets you to really buy into The you know why Matt is having this crisis of faith, and I think that scene's actually done pretty well. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Aside from the weird slut shaming his mom, who's a nun. So now Matt comes down and realizes Karen's at the church. So now this is a scene Matt and Karen having this conversation about the baby. Is a scene that you had a Joe had a really interesting insight into that I hadn't thought of. Yeah.
1: Uh, My insight was all right. So they're talking about it, and Karen's like, "Give me the baby," and Matt's like, "Wait a second. How do you know about the baby?" and he's like you're lying to me um, and my insight and this goes into his powers um, kind of being ignored for convenience sake is Matt would have realized that Karen was lying that's a good fucking point um, yeah. immediately when she brings up the baby and so like he would have realized that something was, was up with her and Kevin rate. Smith has
0: mentioned Matt's super hearing to hear it as a lie detector like five times yeah, at that yeah. Point. so now it the final scene of the issue it cuts to Mr. Monopoly is hiring an assassin and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to kill matt but he wants the baby and he wants him to ruin the rest of matt's life and it the big final page reveal of the issue is that it's bullseye bullseye is matt's like nemesis he's an assassin who just has he's killed matt's girlfriends in the past and he is He's really, he's like a super sharpshooter. He can take anything. He takes a paperclip and bounces it around the room and has it land on his book to make a bookmark. Like, he's super accurate, and he's just a dick. He likes kind of, killing. Yeah, he, he really likes killing, and he really likes to fuck with Matt Murdock.
2: He's like, he's like a joker on the, on the level of Wizen's is guy dead already, because people are killed. Yeah. Though, to be fair, Daredevil has tried to kill him a few times.
0: If you really want to explore the amazingly awesome relationship between Daredevil and Bullseye, Frank Miller's run does such a good job with it. That's actually when Bullseye became a real character in Frank Miller's run. So, Bullseye is reading Catcher in the Rye while he gets his assignment. Do you guys have any... Re- idea why it's Catcher in the Rye I have no fucking clue no nope. I feel like Kevin Smith is trying to make like a deep metaphor but it just comes across like a high school kid who just finished Catcher in the Rye I feel,
2: I feel like it's just another reference to better stuff that he can't help but include in his book
0: <laughs> I guess and did you know the back of Catcher in the Rye has reviews from Jay and Silent Bob <laughs> it's a weird thing to just put in but it does you know I, I
1: feel like he's reading it because he thinks Daredevil is a great big phony <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so, that's the end of issue four. Yep,
2: we're only halfway fucking through the story.
0: Yeah, but the the last couple issues go pretty quick, I think. So now Matt visits Doctor Strange, who is the big sorcerer supreme of the Marvel Universe. He's the guy you go to when you have a magic question,
2: and he brings that. He's cross. here. He's here just so the story can easily resolve. Yes, this is not a magical issue, which raises also raises the point: Why the fuck did Daredevil go to in the first place when this fucking guy said, "Hey." This is Antichrist. He was too busy killing that baby. He was too busy trying to kill that baby. So now,
0: Matt Murdock gives him the cross thing that Mr. Monopoly left him and said, can you look and see if this is a, is, is this a mystical thing? And Dr. Strange says no. And then Dr. Strange asks people in hell, is it Jesus? <laughs> like, then he summons the big
1: demon, Mephisto. Yeah. Who we'll be talking about later on. Yeah.
2: And, and like I said, this is just a, a, a way to cleanly explain away the, all the magical elements of this without making being ambiguous. Yeah. But it doesn't even work that way because the devil says, "I'm." Uh, Mephisto said, Doctor Strange says, I have no way of making sure this guy's telling the truth. And the devil says like, I'm the fucking devil. You have no power to make me tell the truth. Yeah. I'm going to say, say what I feel like saying. So even like, What's the point of the scene then? The scene has no point, even to explain away oh, the myth- yeah. The myth- this the myth- whole
0: I think this whole thing is so useless. But Mephisto
2: yeah. basically says,
0: "I'm a liar, so you can't trust me." But no, there's no rumblings that there's a Christian anything. Yeah, no Antichrist, no Christ. So whatever. And Daredevil's like, "I will take that at face value." The big thing that's revealed in this issue is that Doctor Strange tells Daredevil that there was a drug in his system a really, really specific plot drug. <laughs> that every time someone says the baby's not the Antichrist, it makes him go crazy and want to kill the baby. I don't think that's how drugs work. I don't think drugs have trigger words. <laughs> so, Doctor Strange says he's purging the drug from his system and Matt goes, no, there's no drug! That the baby's the devil! And then he purges it and he goes, oh, I guess I was drugged. Okay.
2: Imagine if Matt just went to Doctor Strange in the first place. This whole story would be like a two issues long. Yeah thank i i wish i yeah. well, we can't have
0: that so now karen is just contemplating some stuff and the only reason i mention the scene cuz it's all pretty useless is there is a newspaper that shows mr monopoly who's actually a actor who is was found murdered in a hollywood apartment yeah so obviously mr monopoly is not who he says he is dun, yes. dun, dun. the mystery grows yeah.
1: and and to bring it up there they, there have been other scenes with the uh, the big quote unquote bad of this book um, so they, there, there have been other clues as to what his identity is but nothing to really give it away Yeah. so now Matt's
0: been cured of the drug and he's running back to his mom's church and he finds a bunch of dead people including a bunch of dead nuns and
2: it's bullseye and
0: it's bullseye so he's – Bullseye's really beating the shit out of Daredevil and says, give me the kid. I need the baby. I'm not going to kill you, but I need the kid. I'm going to keep hurting people and killing innocent until I get the kid. So Karen shows up with the baby, and she says, just let Mac go, and you can have the baby. So she hands him the baby, and he looks at it, and he goes, thanks. And he goes to walk away. And then, he pulls the blanket back and looks, and it's a statue of a baby. Wouldn't you immediately notice that? What? That's what I said.
2: Babies are the same
0: way, way as statues. You can tell if you're carrying a big block of wood or a baby. Yeah. So, he can't tell it's a statue, so he says, thanks for the, thanks for the baby.
2: Thanks for the baby. Yeah,
0: and like, really sarcastically, and he goes to, he goes to beat up Karen, and he throws her across the room. Now, he grabs the baby... And he has the real baby now, because I guess it was just hidden in the corner.
1: No, I got from Matt's mom. They tried to... Karen was supposed to be a distraction, and Matt's mom was supposed to sneak out with the real baby. Okay,
0: that makes sense. But I feel like it would be... <laughs> it's a bad plan. It's a bad plan. It's a bad plan. It's a pretty bad plan. So, he has the baby, and Karen pulls the gun on him, and says, put the baby down, or I'm going to shoot you. And Bullseye just said... He laughs in her face, and he says, the first rule, never discard a loaded weapon. And... Throws her across the room, and then grabs Daredevil's billy club, and spears her with it. Now I, we're gonna get when we finish the scene, we're gonna get into what Karen's death means because yeah. I really, really hate that he kills Karen Page. But I do have to say, her final death scene, I actually really, really like the way it's handled. Yeah. Because Matt's saying, "Don't try to talk. Don't try to talk. I'll go get help," and he says, "I like, try not to hear her. Hearing her means knowing." because Matt's senses are so strong, he could hear her heartbeat stop. Yeah. And her last words are, I'll miss you. And then he says, and with that, she's gone. And it's him holding her on the church floors. Yeah. As, as you know, she dies with the with Daredevil's Billy Club stabbing through her. And that's pretty powerful mm-hmm. because of my attachment with Karen from other writers. Kevin Smith has not made me give a shit about Karen at all.
2: Yeah. But, in This is this, not the definitive Karen Page story. Yeah,
0: this is not the definitive Karen Page story at all. And I actually read it to read how Karen died because I read Daredevil Yellow which is the definitive Karen page story and this was not that but I think this the final moments are done really well like in Sea Lies with Angels we hate the whole climax yeah. but the final two pages are great Yeah. so what do you guys think about Karen's death?
2: I feel as it was a cheap way to make this an important story yes we, we talked about it borrowing stuff from other stories this feels like it's borrowing from another important Daredevil story where he loses a girlfriend they even b- brought in uh, Bullseye to do the job yeah. and Bullseye has nothing else to do with the rest of the story this is his last appearance in the story there's yeah. not getting any revenge there's no follow up he just leaves the story basically Kevin Smith's like can please just die and the only villain worthy of doing it is Bullseye because he already did it before he already killed the girl from before yeah
0: it's very just callbacks you know just callbacks and there's no reason why Karen had to die in, yeah. this, in this story
1: no it does it, it does feel like it's trying to give it importance that it wouldn't otherwise have yeah It feels like he's trying to write a definitive Daredevil story, but he's borrowing from so many other Daredevil stories, and his originality is so... Like, his original plot uh, with, like, um, the whole Antichrist thing is so kind of ridiculous and over the top Yeah, that it just feels like a a lot of it's just missing.
0: I could have enjoyed the Antichrist story more if they dedicated more time to the religious stuff and the actual Christ stuff of it. Having all the other things, Foggy's plot where he had sex with that demon and the Karen stuff and the bullseye stuff, it really detracts from the main story. So now we're up to issue six. And issue six is actually my favorite issue of the eight. I actually think it's... Mine is eight. Yeah, yeah. I actually really like eight too. Yeah, Th- those are the two issues that I think are good issues.
2: This is my opinion of it. Similar size of Angels, uh, the beginning is really bad, but I do think it, it slowly gets better and better and better. Then the last issue is my f- is my favorite.
1: Mine's issue too. I think this series really peaked early, um, <laughs> and I think we've <laughs> issue been, two is my least favorite comic book I own. We, we've been we've been downhill since then. It's
2: just a baby so, throwing.
0: So this is the a lot of this is the, this is the gear up for the climax and the morning issue. And the reason why I think a lot of these scenes are so powerful is Kevin Smith actually doesn't use any words and he lets Joe Casada tell the story. And I think that is by far his best decision. decision. Because, (laughs) and I love silence in comics. A lot of, some of my favorite issues are silent. And I also, you know, not to say that words aren't great. Like, I love words. Words are good. But, Show Don't Tell. Yeah, Show Don't Tell. And the main heart is Matt in his apartment. And he actually is playing Russian roulette with himself more or less, and he's. it seems like he's debating killing himself after Karen's death. And it's cut between memories of Karen telling him, you know, a time that he she asked him to quit being Daredevil and just stay in with her that night. And then it cuts back to him crying and destroying things in his apartment. And then it cuts back to more scenes of him and Karen talking about they're going to have kids and she wants him to stay Daredevil, to keep the city safe, and having him be a superhero shows her child that there's uh there's good people in the world that will always yeah. stand up for him and like these this is are, probably my favorite scene. Yeah. yeah these yeah. are the best Karen scenes in the whole book and it happens after she dies. And it's it's a shame that it happens after she dies yeah. cuz if these Scenes were when she was missing, and maybe issue one and two. Her death would be way more powerful. Yeah, they
2: give you reason to care about her after she's already gone.
0: Yeah, and that is that just lends itself to the theory that I have that he just kills her as Matt motivation. Yeah. If he actually wanted to give her a true farewell to a really established great character, this should have been first. But now Matt goes full force. I'm gonna find who did this, and really beat the shit out of him and we get a fun scene with Turk an old daredevil character who's just like always a henchman that everything goes wrong. He's in the TV show as like the goofy gun salesman that doesn't have anything go right. And Turk says he he that's where he gets the address of the the big bad. Yeah. He doesn't know who it is, but he just said he didn't want me to work for him. <laughs> he needed more professionals. So he he goes to the villain's headquarters and the the villain says like it's let's have him run the gauntlet. So he sends like a million villains after him. It's a bunch yeah. of ninjas. Then it's a bunch of demons. Then that ball guy shows up and he's like, we're going to save this baby. And beats a bunch of cyborgs. I don't get why yeah. any of these villains
2: are here. Because Matt fought them at some point, I guess. Yeah. It's more references by, by Kevin Smith.
1: Yeah, yeah, Matt finds some mystery goo and slowly puts it together, which is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but so, he so puts that... together essentially that everything's, like, it's all been fake.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, I think he, he probably was like, none of this plot makes any goddamn sense. This must be a big fake thing. He realized his ball is a double agent. Like all I, these plot I, holes means yeah. this is all yeah. fucking bullshit. Like I spoiled before on accident. Surprise, he's not a demon. Yeah. yeah. And, like, everything is all a big a, a big. It's all smoke effect. and it's mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors, exactly. So then, the big bad is revealed at the end of issue six. And who is it, Joe? Why
1: well, Mysterio, of course.
0: Mysterio, the Spider-Man <laughs> villain. Yep. He's the guy with the big fishbowl on his head. <laughs> just Slot's probably the biggest Mysterio fan. Yeah. Do you want to give a little bit of backstory on Mysterio?
2: So Mysterio is a character, uh, he's, he's always been kind of treated like a joke villain, but the interesting thing about him is he's a, a special effects movie guy who uh, basically decided to become a criminal, and what he does is basically just fuck with Spider-Man all the time. His first story, he basically dressed up as Spider-Man and committed crimes, and Spider-Man wasn't sure, did I commit those crimes? Or, or am I going crazy? And uh, basically he finally found out it was this new villain called Mysterio And he connects the dots and he stops him Then the next story was uh, Spider-Man starts hallucinating that uh, there are uh, All his villains are coming to attack him During his regular uh, everyday life He sees uh, fucking Sandman, fucking Vulture And he's like, holy shit, all this, all this shit and then uh, he goes. basically he has to go see a psychiatrist, and he has to go as Spider-Man, because if he goes to Peter Parker and says, I'm seeing fucking the Vulture yeah. and, and all these other Spider-Man villains, uh, it will clearly give away that Spider-Man, and basically it turns out that uh, Mysterio basically uh, fed him all these hallucinations to make him think uh, he was going crazy, so that way he will reveal to a psychiatrist that is Mysterio in the skies, uh, that basically Spider-Man revealed to him that it's Peter Parker.
1: Yeah. As only the Silver Age can allow, where yeah. Mysterio is the one psychiatrist in town. Yeah. yeah. But and like, and Lord, I, I, love, I love Mysterio because he just,
0: the concept of convincing a hero that they're crazy and just fucking with them yeah. is, it's done so well with Mysterio and no one ever takes him seriously yeah. and that's what allows him to manipulate these things
1: because no one Yeah, that's what allows him to kind of go under the radar, even in yeah. this story, yeah, you know? So how do you feel about Mysterio being the big bad?
0: Not talking about issues 7 and 8 yet,
2: how do you feel about this reveal? It is uh the concept of him being the, the, the villain is the only way this this concept could have worked. Yes. To, it, like no one the other villain could have really fucked around with, with Matt. And, uh, I wouldn't
0: have bought it with any other villain yeah. that like yeah. all these crazy things happening like this is mysterious.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's just it's so strange that this is Kevin Smith is tr- clearly trying to write a definitive Daredevil story and he goes with someone who is not a definitive Daredevil villain.
0: But at the same time Kingpin wasn't a Daredevil villain. Yeah, but he he had
1: been for a while. No, but uh, I'm
0: saying when he became the definitive Daredevil villain, he was a Spider-Man
2: villain. Yes. Daredevil borrows from Spider-Man a lot, so that's... Yeah, Yeah, and
0: that's why... I feel like that's what Kevin Smith's trying to do.
2: He's trying to make a new uh, Kingpin switch. But
0: he obviously isn't going to stick with that. We'll get to that soon. So issue seven, I actually... I find this issue so boring.
2: Yeah, because it's just Mysterio talking to uh, Matt. He's saying, if you don't listen, to me monologue for literally almost the entire issue. I will kill the baby. And Matt's like, okay, fucking yeah, fine. Yeah, basically
0: what happens is Mysterio says the baby is in a soundproof vacuum chamber, so you can't find him. But if he's in a vacuum chamber, that means no air. So you have 20 minutes. That's a long time for a baby not to have air, for the record. <laughs> yeah. But, so, he basically says... De- Daredevil, you have to listen to my monologue, otherwise I'm going to kill
2: you. And movie. it's really fucking boring.
0: And it's really boring, and it's really, really long.
1: It is the entire issue. I, I thought you almost had to do this, because he's so not in the Daredevil canon.
0: Yeah, I could see that. And with what's about to happen. Exactly.
1: So it's revealed that he
0: has an inoperable brain tumor, and he's going to die. And I guess in this world, that means if you have less than a year to live, you get to go free? So they let him out of prison. So he decides that he is going to go finally... His last act, he's finally going to get revenge on Spider-Man. Now, But Spider-Man's a clone. Spider-Man is in the middle of clone saga right now, which we're not going to get into. But basically, Peter Parker's not Spider-Man anymore. So Mysterio says, I'm not going to have my big finale be on some knockoff. He I'm going to have it be with
2: Nutterville and I only met, another here. I only met once. Yeah,
0: so he says, I'm going to go against Daredevil, who I fought once. Which actually was pretty recent in yeah. the Daredevil story. But the thing that's weird is he's complaining in this whole monologue that he should have been A-list, his whole motivation is that he deserves better, it's bullshit that he's C-list, and then he says, I see that Daredevil's kind of a C-list, and I like that, I see a bit of myself in that, as a second stringer. Dumbest fucking reason for That's so weird, win right? Win like, rivalry. I feel like he should hate him for that. Or ignore him for that. Yes. So... He says that he gave Kingpin a bunch of money and Kingpin told him who Matt Murdock was, who dare. Told
1: was. him that not just that everything his origin, like every every bit of dirt Kingpin was able to dig up on him. And so he gives this whole
0: speech, he's still given this whole speech, he's still given this whole speech. He recaps everything that happened in this book, how he faked all the angels that told people stuff. So he also says that he killed that uh that the girl. Not the well yeah, he killed the girl with the baby but he yeah. also killed the Hollywood guy that we saw the obituary yes. of which that made me raise a question that if this guy was famous enough to be on the front page of the Daily Bugle his obituary I have no notice Mr. Monopoly guy Nobody yeah. noticed that Mr. Monopoly was this that was still walking around in a in a high profile law firm in a high profile law firm and all over the place he shows up everywhere why
1: why have his death be public why not kill him and hide the body uh, another thing he mentions is Karen Page might was probably not HIV positive. Yeah, he, he says I just told her that, and she yeah. never
0: went to a second doctor.
1: Yeah,
2: which is kind of funny.
0: I, it's the thing is, all of this stuff is a classic Mysterio plot. Yeah, I yeah. can get behind Mysterio doing all this stuff. Yes, which is why I don't get what happens at the end of the issue. Is so Kevin Smith has established that Mysterio's like pretty badass and has a pretty great plan. Yeah, and it's got a couple plot holes. That's more Kevin Smith's fault, not Mysterio's yeah. fault. So, Daredevil now, for some reason, now decides he's going to beat the shit out of Mysterio. He hasn't rescued the baby. Yeah. He doesn't know where the baby is. And at this point, I assume he's been talking for 45 minutes. Maybe he just assumes the baby's definitely dead by now. Daredevil
1: decides to beat up this cancer victim.
0: Yeah. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, he breaks his helmet and he sees him. He's on an oxygen tank. He's all scarred up. He's really a sick guy. And Daredevil says you're a fraud, you're a joke, you think you can break me, like, you're... You he know. did, you tried to kill that baby. Yeah. Oh, that and was... <laughs> he basically just says, like, you're a has-been, and everything you were afraid of of
1: being a nobody is true. He also calls him a rip-off. He also calls him a rip-off. Yeah. He says... And, off- and re- once again, references Born Again. Yeah. yeah. He says,
2: ripped off Kingpin, because Kingpin did this to me, born again. Ripped off this, because uh this hero did it, ripped off this. And I'm like... Kevin Smith, are you talking about yourself? Yeah. Everything in the story is a off another story. When
0: he says, but you're no Kingpin, you're not even close, I was like, yeah, I feel the same way. Like, you're no Frank Miller, Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and he calls him a human Xerox. And Mysterio just breaks down crying. And Matt goes, where's the baby? So Mysterio just gives him the baby. He just lets the baby mm-hmm. go. And then I feel like... Sly should be the one to tell what happens next. Because you love Mysterio so much. Mysterio just fucking shoots himself. Yeah, and what do you remember what he says? I don't know. He says, I stole this line too from Craven."
2: Oh yeah, I forgot. This Swiss Republic of Craven Hunter too. The whole fucking I'm dying. I'm I'm Sly's going favorite <laughs> yeah. Spider Man story.
1: Yeah, fuck yeah. this story. Alright, supposedly, um Kevin Smith did not ask permission to kill Mysterio. Yeah. He just went ahead and did it. Yeah. Which is like I get that, you know, we always talk about how, like,
0: writers should be able to tell their story and, like, editorial, but that's a shitty, shitty thing to do. Yeah,
1: when these are not your characters to do that with. And Mysterio's
2: been, like, one
0: of our favorite
2: Marvel villains.
0: He's He's been around since the 60s. You can't just
2: do that. There's, There's a story called Mysterio Manifesto, which I think is better than the story. It, it's flawed, but because it's it's a, it's a Wait, very co- you're telling me there's a better story. <laughs> it's a very it's a, it's, a, it's hard to recommend to new readers because it's very continuity driven. It's basically meant to clear up all the mysterious confusion that happens after this story. Cause the story, because Mysterio shows up again in Spider-Man while the story is going on, and basically it's like how the fuck is that possible? So Mysterio Manifesto is basically a, sto- a series meant to establish uh, basically sets up a bunch of red herrings. They bring back the, the, a, a guy who impersonated Mysterio in the 70s. They bring back they bring back a guy who has mysterious like powers called Mad Jack and they bring back all, all these references to all the other Mysterio stories, and they basically uh, suggest Mysterio is not dead, and he faked his own death. It's a, it's a very interesting story if you like Mysterio, and if you read the story, I recommend reading that story afterwards. Please, that sounds great. I can definitely have to read that.
0: So, how do you guys feel about his actual death, though? Is it handled well? It
1: it is, but I don't want it.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like you're trying to make him to uh, an just Yeah, you just
1: built him up. You yeah. just you, yeah. you wrote your definitive Dare, like your definitive S. Daredevil story to have him be the villain. Yeah. So rather than having this new great villain for Daredevil to fight, um, he you have him die, which kind of uh, it takes it takes away a lot of the yeah. weight. Yeah. We
2: talk we talk about Prometheus: yeah. Cry for Justice and how even if you're a Prometheus fan, you don't want to see this happen. Because Prometheus dies anyway, so like, yeah, like, well, so what? That kind of. I feel like this death itself. I would have really liked it if Daredevil didn't
0: rip him apart first. If he was like, I had this big master plot, and look, I broke you. Like, I win. And... So, so really, just rip off Craven's last hunt. Yeah. I, yeah, actually, now just that I think r- about it, really I it just off? love Craven's last hunt. <laughs> yeah. Never
2: mind. <laughs> Let's go with Craven's last hunt instead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so now we're up to issue eight, yeah. the big finale, and it's Karen's funeral. Now, one thing I thought was really weird. There's a lot of superheroes at this funeral. Nobody know, like, the mainstream public doesn't know that Matt Murdock's Daredevil. Why would the thing, and some guy in, like, a gorilla suit? Who? I don't
1: know. <laughs> is Congo Bill in this?
0: He looks like Congo Bill. <laughs> okay. Why would
1: they
2: be at this um, I, funeral? Because
1: Why would they be Matt at this Murdock funeral? is all of their attorney. Okay, never mind. That, that is, that is that. the only thing I can think of. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Joey just cleared that up for us. Thank
2: you, Joe.
0: I'm fixing all the plot holes that no one else is. And again, this is another scene where I think Kevin Smith lets Joe Casada tell the story. Yeah. That Matt goes to say a few words, and he says, "Karen was no, there are no words. I'll miss you," and he walks away. And even though Kevin Smith says there are no words twice, he always has to say a little too much. <laughs> it's, it's much better, than yeah. than if he spammed it with a million things. Yeah. And then. He gets a letter from Karen that she took out a big insurance policy that she hoped that Matt wouldn't collect till he was 80, but he has a bunch of money now, and he's... Basically, it's Karen's last gift. Foggy is in jail, because we forgot he existed, and they say all charges are dropped,
2: but Liz... Because it was Venom, that, and they know it was Venom.
0: Yeah, they found files in Mysterio's computer or whatever, but his story doesn't get to end well because Liz comes and basically says, you're a piece of Liz shit. Liz was his girlfriend he was dating. Yeah, you're a piece of shit. You cheated on me. You know, fuck you kind of thing. Then it goes to a really great scene where Matt and Spider-Man are sitting on top of the Brooklyn Bridge. Yeah. And Matt's just kind of contemplating it and
2: saying like... He's just ranting. Yeah, he's
0: just kind of rambling on and about on. About the
2: unfairness of the world about how we fight and fight and people die anyway.
0: Yeah, and he's like, why do we even do this? Does yeah. it actually make anything better? You know, so many villains that we lock up, escape, all this stuff. And Spider-Man tells a story about the time his girlfriend was killed by one of his supervillains yeah. on this very bridge. And basically saying, like, that's what we thats what we do it for. To save it so other people don't have the same problems that we had. So we can save someone else's girlfriend.
2: But Matt, Matt doesn't buy it. He, he keeps ranting. And all Peter says is... You save that baby, Matt, and he leaves. Yeah, you and, and save that baby girl. Despite life.
1: your best efforts, Matt.
2: Yeah, and he doesn't even, see, he doesn't even see, see Matt's response. He knows that's enough to comfort him. And Matt, after he leaves, Matt says, "Thank you, thank you, Peter."
1: Yeah, and then
0: we have Daredevil confronting. Natasha, the black widow. Yeah. And she's basically like, You're a real piece of shit and he goes, Oh, it was Mysterio and I was, was drugs.
2: And she's like, The drugs don't fucking do that. And, yeah. And she's right. And she says, I think you're just a misogynist and Dudo's like, I guess I kinda am Yeah, but, yeah like
1: he tries Natasha's no, like, I don't think you're a misogynist, but I think you have a lot of trust issues with ladies. And I think you should get that cleared up before you, like, see anyone else, essentially. Yeah. But he up... totally is. Like, he is the worst in this story. This never gets brought up again by any of the really... like... This is
0: also followed up by probably my favorite Daredevil romance story, which is Parts of All. Yeah. Yeah. So then it's Matt and Foggy walking outside the abandoned lot from Born Again, where we said they blew up his house. Yeah. And Matt's like, I have an insane amount of money. We should reopen our law firm, Nelson and Murdoch, do it our way, and start over. Basically, yeah. And then Matt is saying goodbye to the baby, who he has named Karen. The baby's getting adopted. And
2: it's it's another good scene because he says, "I saved that baby's life, but it saved my life too."
0: Yeah. And uh, his mom is there, right? Yeah, Yeah. and his mom is with him. It's a really pretty scene. And it's it's a really good scene. This is you're right. Issue eight is pretty great. Yeah. And then it's him back in confessional. And he's basically saying. You know, I feel pretty good. I think I've I'm finally getting over my sins, and like I think God is forgiving me. And then he says no, re-, and then he hears sirens, and he says no rest for the wicked. Pulls open his Daredevil shirt and leaps outside in a two-page spread of Daredevil jumping. That's very reminiscent of when he left the confessional before. Yeah. But like, but I do think issue eight ends on a pretty hopeful new beginnings yeah. ending. And a lot of times stories like this that are especially stories that kill characters and are very like. You know, big shifts in status quo don't always end on such a hopeful note, and it's not, I it's wanna... not, it's
2: not rise and fall. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and I want to give Kevin Smith a little credit that the ending does feel pretty good after yeah. a whole book that doesn't yeah. feel good at yeah.
2: all. That's why I can't. I'm not too like, uh, even though um, I, this, this story has four of the worst issues I've ever in my life, I can't. I'm not as mad at it as I am as I cry for justice because just like Lies uh, of Angels*, at the end, Kevin Smith showed me. I'm not that bad a writer. Give yeah. me some credit. So, final judgments. I don't recommend it. I don't <laughs> think it's that good. <laughs> I think this is a good bad book because it's so
0: ridiculous. Yeah. There are some elements where you could see Kevin Smith is a good writer. Yeah. There's a reason why he made his living as a writer. Yeah. But overall the book has it's way too up and down and I would only recommend it if you want if you're a Daredevil fan and want to watch a train wreck of a Daredevil book. What about you, James? Yeah,
1: this is weird cuz there is a good story in here. But it's so weighed down by these ridiculous choices that yeah. he chooses to go with, and this really weird characterization of Matt Murdock and his relationship with women, that I don't think ends up going anywhere of significance. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm with Ryan. If you really want to read like a kind of a train wreck of a Daredevil story, it, I would definitely. I'd put it on that. But I wouldn't go any further than that. This is not a beginning Daredevil book. This is... You know, if you're out of Daredevil stuff to read and you want something interesting... Yeah. Give it a shot.
2: I would not recommend but, it as a first book like most people do. Oh, yeah. absolutely
1: not. Yeah. No, this is not that. This is not... It's an awful introduction to Daredevil. Yeah. If you've I read enough Daredevil
2: understand. and want to uh, read it later on, like, i recommend that, but not as a beginning Like, book. this yeah.
1: book is built on other people's stories for the most part. Yeah,
0: and it's, you're much better off reading those other people's yeah. stories.
1: Yeah. Especially first, because... Not only that, you have a much better appreciation for what this yeah. book tries to do if you read, like, Born Again and Frank Miller's run before yeah, this. absolutely. So.
0: Cool. So now, I think we've gone really over. We have a letter, but we're going to hold it for next episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you listening for sending letters. <laughs> we're
2: not going to take your shit. Yeah.
0: Uh, but we, you know, it's going to be a good one. So we'll save it for okay. next episode. But if you want to write in, it's divisiveissues at gmail.com mm-hmm. or We're at divisiveissues on Twitter or divisiveissues is a Facebook page where this letter came from. Yeah. So now we'll quickly do recommendations to wrap it up. So let's go first. I'll go first. Okay.
1: Uh so I am mean Black Cat the Evil that Men oh my God, get. God damn you. it Joe. It is it is the spiritual sequel to this book, uh, also by Kevin Smith. Um it's Kevin Smith and the Dotsons, I think so. I've, I've read, read the, half of it and I, I hate the Dotsons. Um this book, it started off apparently as 3 issues. I think it was a 5-issue mini 5-issue mini. He writes 3. They're supposedly kind of okay and then the series goes away for like 2 years or something. And it comes back, and it's just a drastic change in tone. It's super weird. He tries to follow up on his Mysterio-like plot from this book. It's supposedly it's awful, and it's everything that like people hated about comics at the time, where it just became really dark and gritty for no real reason. Um, so, if you want to read another book in this vein. That that's. Do you think you it's go. good?
0: You're recommending people read it.
1: I'm recommending people <laughs> read it. If they if they if people want to read this, they can read that. Well, recommendations aren't supposed to be. Well, John, if you like this, read that. <laughs> if you like this book, you recommend a
2: fucking Titan. Oh, <laughs> that's true. That's true. We can't change the rules on him now. Okay. Okay. Read it, Ryan. Okay. I'm recommending country. that. Whatever. Whatever. But but I have to bring up uh, uh, a really good point that. Uh, just in case you think this is a fluke and Kevin Smith's comics are not all like this this is one of the few comics he wrote that people actually like om- om- his entire comic run- career is largely considered to be generally pretty terrible with a few really good ones Yeah. so in our eyes Evil Do is pretty pre- pre- in keeping with uh, this book but a lot of people consider that like a bridge too far even for gotcha. Kevin Smith yeah but my recommendation is unfortunately a book that's not, not collected because I fuck you all screw the rules I have money go back uh, issue diving <laughs> be a real comic fan <laughs> yeah. but uh, uh this book actually references it in this massive list of re- re- references uh he wrote uh, mentions how he made a sphinx land in New York City and that's a story by Jim DiMatteis one of my favorite comic writers he wrote Craven's Last Hunt uh my, av- my actual favorite Spider-Man story um uh, uh, it's a story called "As a Dreams Are Made of," I believe it's called. Uh, it was made as the first three issues of a series called Web Spinners, which is an underrated Spider-Man series. By uh, it was basically a series where Spider-Man writers would basically write whatever Spider-Man stories they wanted to, and they will basically just take different looks at Peter's life and tell whatever stories they wanted to. And uh the first three stories of a story is a story about Mysterio. It's a look back by Peter and the president, married, looking back when you back in the sixties and looking back to a story uh that wasn't told by Mysterio. Peter Park looks back on the he basically draws parallels between team between, between him and Mysterio and then Mysterio had a shitty dad who basically treated his, his film aspirations as a joke and uh, while Uncle Ben always gave Peter Parkham sci-fi comics and said, you can become one of these scientists, and maybe you can go find aliens like these people in these comics, and basically there's a great scene in the first issue where Peter and Mysterio, uh, in civilian costumes, go to see King Kong, and they both start talking about the movie, about how great it is. Man, isn't that movie fucking awesome? Look at the work they do with the special effects. And they talk afterwards, and Mysterio's like, "How do you know this stuff? You're just a fucking kid." And Peter's like, "I always watched with my uncle." And Mysterio is like, "Your your 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 elders didn't fucking make fun of you for watching this stuff. They like, what are you talking about?" I love the idea of these little kids being like, "Your fucking uncles are fucking really cool guys." <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 but like he's like, "You you didn't make fun of you for watching this yeah. stuff. They didn't hit you or anything." And he's like, "No, why would my uncle do that?" And Mysterio just leaves, and then Peter never sees him again.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's almost as good as Spider Man. Black Cat, The Apartment <laughs>
0: So I'm actually going to recommend another Kevin Smith book. <laughs> One that I actually really, really like. I really like okay. Kevin Smith's run on Green Arrow. All right. It's not as new reader friendly as a relaunch should be, Okay. but that's kind of par for the course. It, is it
1: more new reader friendly than this? I would say less. Okay.
0: But the plot is much better, and Green Arrow works much better with Kevin Smith's kind of quippy, heavy word use dialogue. And... Ollie had been Oliver Queen had been dead for a long time. This was him coming back from the dead. So it is very... You, they explain the kind of heavy comic book stuff pretty well. And I think he does a really great job. I think it's just been, it's just been re-released, so it should be pretty easy to find. But I think it does a, a really good job at showing what a relaunch should have been. And I look at his Green Arrow as what this Daredevil book should have been, what it tried to be and was not. All right, cool. So that's it. All right. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. All
1: right. Stay in continuity.